welcome to Kinetic Conversations. Today, we'll be finishing our three-part series on opening night, the season opener for Fort Wayne Ballet. Today, we'll talk a bit about our third piece from Magnus DeMille's Three Virgins and a Devil, as well as certain overview of the entire program. To do this for our program, we're joined by Artistic Director Karen Gibbons-Brown. Hi, Karen. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Let's just jump right in with Agnes DeMille, Three Virgins and a Devil. So all right. maybe a little bit about Agnes DeMille. The other pieces are all 20th century and they all have distinct people who created them. And I'm sure Agnes is no different. That's correct. It's very 20th century, mid 20th century. I think 1941 actually was the premiere date. And Agnes DeMille is known for uh, her work in Broadway specifically, but she also did a tremendous amount of ballets. One of the most popular ones she did is Rodeo, or Rodeo, but we say Rodeo. Uh, she did a lot of Broadway work, and she was actually bringing some of Broadway to the ballet stage. And this was a time period in our dance history where things were very Americana, and it had a story or a moral or a value to it. So the pieces that we tend to get from that particular part of our dance history tend to have that sort of a, a lean. So was Agnes DeMille in the ballet and then went to Broadway, or was she a Broadway person that came to ballet? How did that background? She started dance late for a dancer, you know, in her teen years, and loved to create. And she's actually related to the famous Cecil DeMille and wanted to work in the movies. And he didn't want her to work in the movies with him. So she explored choreography. Okay. She had a solo career as a dancer, but her bigger gift was actually the choreography. Okay. So she went from that to ballet, then to Broadway, and she went back and forth. That was a time period where Jerome Robbins was the same. They didn't just stay with a ballet company. They created ballets, but they also created works on Broadway in the off time, so to speak. And the piece we're doing is Three Virgins and a Devil. So a little bit about the piece, maybe your experience with it and what people will see. She was actually in the first piece. She and Lucia Chase, who was the director of American Ballet Theater, it was created for American Ballet Theater. And Jerome Robbins. Well, Jerome was Robbins also, was in it as well. He was yeah. in the first cast. He was the part of the young man. It's a cast of five, uh, two men and three women. And they each are representing a moral or a value and what could go wrong if you don't stick to the path that you should be on. I think what I most loved about it when I first saw it, I was a teenager in my early teens, and I knew that ballet could have humor in it. But I didn't realize, I guess, that ballet, the whole piece could be funny. And the whole piece is actually just a parody. It's, it's funny. I didn't know you could laugh at the ballet, but I saw this on American Ballet Theater at the State Theater. And the audience, you know, rather refined audience, they were all laughing hysterically. And I realized it was really okay to enjoy the ballet that way but it has some fun pieces and parts. The characters are very clear. You know each of the women, what they are representing, and then the devil you can't miss, and then the young man or the young cad. It's very clear in the choreography what his role in the part is, that the devil is trying to lead these women astray. So on one side of the stage, you have the devil's cave, and on the other side of the stage, you have the church and the pull and the push and pull of that becomes very humorous. But it is a ballet for all ages. It's a G-rated piece. So we're doing three pieces, and I wanted to talk a little bit about maybe how you put those together. 
the other pieces are Pinot Italian Sweet, Robin's Fancy Free. So why these pieces? Maybe some through line with that. I know we've done a little bit of the New York, and there's a through line there, but there's a lot of through lines. So why did this get put together this way? Well, and all of these pieces were first premiered in New York, actually. So I think that's an important piece. Here's why I chose the pieces. Italian Suite is a beautiful ballet. It's not tutus and tiaras, but it's a beautiful ballet. It's not so long, and it has no real story. It's just dance for fun. The dancers enjoy it. They look great doing it. The dancers are really wonderful this season. And it's a short enough ballet to where if you think, oh, I don't really like point shoes and partners dancing together, it's not so long. But it was created and premiered for the Joffrey Ballet in New York. Why we're doing it is we were actually invited to participate in the Arpino Centennial in Chicago earlier this season, earlier in the fall, and we took parts of Italian Suite to Chicago. And if you're doing it for Chicago audiences, we certainly want sure. our audiences to see us perform it as well. The other two pieces, why were they chosen? Three Virgins and a Devil. It's always good to revisit pieces that you've done, and the dancers grow and bring a different side or different humor or vent to whatever they're doing. So we've done this a few years back. We did Three Virgins and a Devil. But to watch the growth of the dancers is really wonderful. And it's a ballet that should be seen. It is just hysterical. And the last piece? On we go to Fancy Free. Fancy Free is a piece that we have. It's on my bucket list of ballets to present uh, with Fort Wayne Ballet into our community. But Fancy Free is it's a hummable piece. It was actually, I'm sure Robert spoke of this, but it was created. And then quickly after that, the movie On the Town came along and many other Broadway pieces that have the same sense of movement to it. And Bernstein music, it's great music, complicated, but really great music. Robin's choreography is very intricate. I find it amazing that they both created this piece at the age of 25 and it stayed. So Fancy Free is a piece that it's fun, it's humorous, it's lighthearted. You can't walk away from it and not have enjoyed pieces and parts of it. And what's not always the case, especially with some of the more contemporary, what we call repertory, two of these actually have a through-line story. They're characters and there's a story. It's not just dance for dance sake. Exactly. And same kind of time period. 1941 for Three Virgins and a Devil and 1944. So why do you think you mentioned that cross back and forth, you know, with Robbins and DeMille, but, you know, there are other examples of, you know, Robbins working back and forth with West Side Story and Fiddler on the Roof. Peter Pan. Peter Pan. And then also choreographing for New York City Ballet. And why was that happening at that particular point? And it doesn't appear to be quite the same as it was during that period. Maybe I'm wrong. And Now? Yeah. It's not quite the same. In that particular time period, dancers didn't have contracts that they could live on. So they often had to find work outside of the ballet company. At that point in time, it was very common not to have weeks that were contiguous. They would work for two weeks and be off for six months and work for a month and a half and be off again. So the times between, they needed to find something to do. So it wasn't so uncommon. In fact, George Balanchine actually choreographed for the circus at one point hmm. during this time period. They just didn't have enough work. So they were working. There's mm -hmm. a way to keep working. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of blended together. And now you see Swan Lake is obviously not a Broadway angle at all. But when you see some of these pieces, particularly from this time period of dance, you could easily see them happening on Broadway or in a movie like the Gene Kelly movies where they had the dance in the middle of the story. These pieces are very much 
appropriate for those sorts of things. It's a great program. It's really a fun program. You can't walk away without humming something from the pieces that you've seen, even the ballet piece. The music is very hummable. Why do you think that changed? I, I know different time in history, you mentioned the situation dancers working. New York was the center of dance at the time. Things have changed a little bit, even though it's still a dance center. Things have spread. But what really created the environment to move away from what was happening in the 40s and 50s? Well, dance has become decentralized, but at that point in time, the center of dance was New York. Now it's a little, like I said, decentralized. But why we tended to get away from that was dancers' contracts okay. increased. The repertoire became a little more challenging to jump back and forth physically. Your body has to maintain a certain shape for each of these things, and your ballet physical shape is sometimes different than your Broadway shape. So you want to make sure that your body is in a good place so you don't get injured. And that tended to be the reason things changed so dramatically. You mentioned this is a fun program. Always the programs, we call them repertory, basically they're a potluck in the sense that you have smaller <laughs> little pieces. and Popery. Exactly. But you're not locked into a swan lake, which is that's what it is for the evening. You right. usually get more than one voice in that particular evening. Right. But they're difficult because people think they know the ballet which is why they come to a Swan Lake or something, even if they don't. And these are, you have to really trust the artistic director. <laughs> you, you do. I mean, you have to right. trust somebody. It's a prepared menu. So what would you say to somebody who's like, well, this sounds fun from the podcast, but why should I take the leap? So we talk often about entry points for audience development. And Nutcracker is a great entry point. It's got something for people of all ages. It's lighthearted. There is a story, but it is that evening's work. That's what you see in the evening. This evening, as you mentioned, it's three different pieces. It rotates. And if you want an entry point to dance, this is it. We just recently did a small performance in Angola. And one of the gentlemen came up to me after the program and said, that wasn't at all what I thought it would be. And I said, what did you expect? What were you, what were you thinking the program would be? And he said, oh, I thought it would be more hmm, formal. And it's not that we aren't trained to be able to do the formal works, but this is a very casual, fun, informal. He actually said he's coming to the program to see the whole thing. I thought that was a success. And what snippet did he see? He saw a little bit of Italian sweet. Okay. And he saw a little bit of fancy free. Okay. Well, we don't want to let you leave without at least talking for just a minute. This kicks off our 67th season. Well, it does. Um, and I just wanted to give you an opportunity to give some highlights of what's coming up next or things maybe you're looking forward to for the rest of the season. Well, I'm sort of a ballet geek, so I look forward to all of it. You know, right after this, we go into a performance for the youth for a family series called Spooky and Kooky. It's a trunk or treat. We have a variations performance with our up-and-coming stars of the ballet. We then, of course, go into Nutcracker, which I adore. I think it's a fabulous ballet, great season. And then in the spring, we have our love notes. We also have Romeo and Juliet with the Philharmonic. It's a beautiful ballet. People think it's a classical ballet. It's actually mid-20th century as well. And then we have our tours in our regions, our Firefly tours. So it's full season. Full season. Great. Well, Karen, thanks for being here. It's always great to talk ballet with you. Thanks so much for having me. Fort Wayne Ballet performs opening night, October 20th and 21st at the Arts United Center. You can purchase tickets by visiting the Fort Wayne Ballet website, artsticks.org, or calling the box office at 422-4226. 
Kinetic Conversations is brought to you by Fort Wayne Ballet and Wayne Shout Productions. Our guest today was Fort Wayne Ballet Artistic Director Karen Gibbons-Brown. If you'd like to receive notifications on future podcasts, please like the podcast and go to fortwayneballet.org to sign up for notifications on performances, podcasts, and more ballet news. You'll also find a library of past episodes on our website in the menu of options. Until next time, I'm Jim Sparrow, and thanks for listening to Kinetic Conversations with Fort Wayne Ballet. has been a Wayne Shout production. Wayne Shout.